Hi, and welcome to episode 90 of the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, editor-in-chief at iPhone Life. I'm David Auerbach, CEO and publisher at iPhone Life. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, senior web editor at iPhone Life. <laughs> uh, each week, we bring to you the best apps, top tips, and great gear in the iOS world. This week, we'll, we have a lot of great apps and gear for you, and also we'll be going over Apple's third quarter earnings report. So stay tuned for that. Uh, before we jump into the episode, we want to tell you about our first sponsor, uh, Fanatic Software. So Fanatic Software makes an app called Informant, uh, and they're on their fifth edition, so it's the Informant 5. They have a calendar app, and we like to call it the calendar app that Apple should have made. And what they've done is, it's just A, it's a much more robust calendar app than Apple had, B, a much more user-friendly calendar app than Apple has. Mm -hmm. And so they've combined reminders and the calendar into one app, which I think makes a lot more sense. And they've just come up with a new update for it. It's their fourth update for Informant 5. And I really would encourage you guys to go read the notes on the update because it really explains to you why this app is so much better than the calendar app. If all you do is create a calendar app, the level of attention to detail is so much higher. They are constantly obsessing over the little details of it. In this version, for example, they made it easier to enter the time of day. It's one of those little things that Apple doesn't update their app much, so they're not fussing with it. And Informant's always making it easier. They're always improving it, and it's just a great app. So I encourage you guys to check it out in the App Store. It's called Informant 5, or we'll link to it in the show notes if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast. All right, moving on, we have a daily tip to share with you. If you go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips, you can sign up for our daily tips newsletter and you'll learn something cool you can do with your phone in one minute every day. And so it's just an awesome way to improve your iPhone skills and without much of a commitment um, and it's totally free. So this week we have a tip. This one's a little bit unusual. It's how to shoot clearer and better photos on your iPhone. Usually we just have like a little tidbit, but this one has a few things that you can do to get better photos, which I am not naturally an amazing photographer, so I know this is great for me. Um, so I'm just gonna run you through what, what these are. Number one, find good lighting. These are just basic things. Anytime you can find natural lighting as opposed to artificial lighting, your pictures are likely gonna be better and try to avoid backlighting as well, unless you're going for a silhouette shot. Um, two is keep your phone steady. I feel like that's something that people can overlook a lot of times. Um, if you can just hold your phone against your chest or like kind of prop your elbow against your body while you're taking a photo, you'll have, it'll be less shaky. Um, number three, don't zoom. This one is more of a tip for people who don't have an yeah, iPhone, the dual say. camera mode, because if you have the iPhone 10 or the, it started with the 7 Plus, I believe. When did we get the dual camera? I think it was 7 Plus. Okay, so if you have a dual camera, then you can do a two-time zoom and you don't lose any resolution at all. Um, there was some caveats that I read recently, though, that if you're not in, in great lighting, it can lower the resolution. So in general, like getting closer to your subject when you can is always a good idea. And I think the, the refinement is don't optical zoom because what happens is if you are, if you zoom in beyond the point that the lens is zooming, 
all it's doing is it's making the photo bigger, which is reducing the resolution. So if uh -huh. you have a two times zoom, you still have the same resolution, like you're saying. So it's that that's the main key, especially because you can always do that in post photo if you want to. You can you always can crop. crop it, which functionally does the exact same thing. Yeah. So getting closer to your subject when you can. Um, and if you do have a dual camera, just know that once you go beyond two times zoom, you are losing resolution. So one question, I, I have a question for you guys. I don't know if you know the answer. What if you're in between one and two zooms? Like if you're like 1.5, are you losing oh, resolution there? I assumed you were not, but I don't, I haven't like verified that because I hadn't thought of even that it might not be true. Um, but I would guess that it would lower the resolution. I think it's up to two times zoom. I don't know, because it, it's like if they, I don't know, we'll have to look into it yeah, and get we'll back to, to you, putting that. everyone yeah. on the spot yeah. here. <laughs> Sorry. So the last tip, this one's my favorite, and maybe everyone else knows this, but is to clean your lens. Um, I know that I use my phone all the time, and so it gets kind of smudgy, and something that I didn't think to do until I read this tip was to, before you take a photo, check your lens and see if you have a cloth or something, just like rub it off. And a lot of times I've noticed there's fingerprints like over the lens. Like a microfiber cloth, because you don't want to scratch your lens. Yeah, so my microfiber, if you can like carry that around with you, great. Otherwise, just something soft that's not going to scratch your lens. But that has made such a big difference. A lot of times yeah. I was noticing yeah. things were looking a little gray or blurry and just making sure to add that to your, your process. I have to say, Ray Ann, who's one of our editors here, has really inspired me to care more about lighting. Uh, mm. It's one of those things where uh, you, especially for group photos, you have a ton of people and you don't want to like shepherd them around and make them go someplace else or something, but it can usually, it's usually the difference of a few seconds. It's like everybody takes one step to the left or turns and faces the other way and it makes such a big difference. If you're not, yeah. if you don't have backlighting and you don't have too low light, it makes a huge difference. We actually, just this weekend we took a photo and she made us all walk to a light and look up at the light before taking the photo and it turned out great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you, guys, you guys waited till I'd gone home to take that yeah, picture. Yeah, no, that was intentional actually, yeah. I see. <laughs> yeah. Some of these things, like this roundup of tips might seem super simple, but Rayanne, who's a great photographer, was saying if you really just actually go to the trouble to do these steps, your photos are going to turn out so much better. And I, you know, most of us aren't doing all these things. Yeah, a lot of it is just taking the time. And the thing is with these simple tips is taking the time doesn't take that much time, but they right. make your photos turn out so much better. Yeah, so to get more tips like this, go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips. And uh, next up, we want to share a question we got from one of our insiders. Our insider program is our premium subscription, and this is our educational service, so you can learn everything you need to everything you need to know about all of your iOS devices, including in-depth guides, uh, tech help from Sarah when you you can uh, ask any questions that arise about your iOS devices. She'll help you find answers. A full archive of our magazine and our full archive of video tips. Um, and we have, I think, about a thousand video tips now. So yeah. there's a have, ton of content for you to help you get the most out of your devices. I just looked at this. We have over 30 issues and the back issues of our magazine that are available to you. That's over 2,500 pages of content available to you going back to 2012. So iphonelife.com <laughs> slash insider, you'll find all of that there. Um, but Sarah, right now, is going to help uh, walk us through how she helped an insider through one of their tech problems. Um, so I got a, 
an email from an insider who said, I just got my Apple Watch and I love it, but I have a question that I can't seem to find an answer to anywhere. My friend's Fitbit device tracks how many steps taken. I'm using the activity app on my watch, percentage of move, exercise, and stand, but I can't find how to track how many steps I've taken. Can you help me? Um, so basically, uh, on your watch, there's the activity app, which is what um, this insider's talking about. And it, uh, it shows you in sort of like a little ring, you know, like how much of your calorie active calorie goal, how many of your stand goal, your exercise minutes goal. Um, and then below that is the number of percentages. And the thing is like Apple's really hidden the step information. It's like if you open that app um, on your phone, which of course I have on my home screen because I'm obsessed with it, <laughs> you just have to keep scrolling like beyond the percentages, beyond the little line graph. And then at the very bottom, you will see how many steps you've taken. Um, and so that's so it is there and it is automatically tracking it um it's true though a lot of fitness trackers they have that number of steps front and center for a lot of people that's a really important information mm -hmm. they, like it's part of their daily sort of activity goal so i don't know why apple chose to put it at pretty much at the bottom of this whole app i mean I it think, is annoying i think it's just part of their whole fitness philosophy which is their whole thing is get people moving for 30 minutes you know what i mean but it's, yeah. I, I agree, it's, it's like... It's less like a step-based step Yeah. System. Yeah, I, I found trying to get to uh, 10,000 steps when I first started, you know, tracking my activity really kind of a helpful way to kind of keep track of how much, how active I was during the day, and I think a lot of people feel that way, so whatever Apple thinks we should be doing, it, you know, like yeah. the reality is that's how yeah. people want to track their activity. I agree. It's part um, of the reason, honestly, I've been using the Fitbit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but also you can see all these things in more detail in the activity app on your iPhone. And also on your iPhone in the health app, you can see kind of how many steps you've taken over a period of time. And that's another, I guess I'm adding some complaints to this answer. I don't know why the health app and the activity app aren't more integrated. Mm -hmm. It's kind of ridiculous, but <laughs> I still, the Apple Watch for me is still my favorite fitness tracker. I'll just, <laughs> and um, I have a couple of links to um, Apple Watch guides for people. One of them is an insider guide, so only insiders can access it, which is just a basic getting started with your Apple Watch. But then there's one that everyone can uh, access, um, which is a fitness tracking guide with um, the Apple Watch. So I'll share those links and you can learn more about your Apple Watch because it's a really awesome device. Just do one more plug for the Apple Watch guide for the insiders because we just came out with it, Donna just came out with it, and mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite guides we've ever done because I find, like this tip would imply, that the Apple Watch is particularly, it's weird in that it's user-friendly in some ways, but there's so many hidden features and so many things that are core to the usage that aren't intuitive at the same time. And so this guide walks you through all of those little things and it's a getting started guide. So if you've been using your Apple Watch for a while, a lot of it you may know already, but even discovering one or two little hidden features of your Apple Watch that you didn't know about really is can change the way you use your watch. So if you are an insider, make sure you go check it out. If you have an Apple Watch and you're not an insider, it's really a good excuse to go subscribe. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put together the guides. I'm like, yeah. Uh, but anyways, 
Uh, yeah, iPhoneLife.com slash insider for that. We just wanted to address what our question of the week from last ish, last episode, which was about the new iPhones. We talked about all the rumors of the new devices coming out in September, which, by the way, it's crazy how soon it's coming up. I'm excited. Um, and it was interesting. I The most interest that people had who wrote in was in the 6.5-inch iPhone, which will be the largest new iPhone if everything is according to rumor. So, and it's funny because on the podcast, we weren't particularly interested in it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. At least I, I don't feel the need for a larger display, but uh, people are excited about it. You know, I'm just thinking back to when Plus phones first came out and we were all just like, no way, I don't need a phone that That's huge. True. And eventually we were all like, how did I live without my Plus size phone? <laughs> so I'm not going to say never, but I'm pretty happy with the size of the display on my iPhone 10. Yeah. I do feel like every, you're, you're absolutely right that every time a larger screen comes out, like when they went from the four to the five inch screen, I was like, oh, I don't need it. And then like I went in the little four inch that they still have it on the SE. It looks like it's like a toy, you know? I know what you mean. So yeah. I always fight the bigger screens because I don't want to take up more space in my pocket. And then I always appreciate when I get it. So. I kind of agree with our audience, but that being said, I think I agree with you too that I I will personally probably stick with this phone, at least until I see the announcement and change my mind. (laughs) I know. I think for a lot of people, it's just the iPhone, like Apple did a really good job with iPhone X. It's an amazing phone. So a lot of people who have it don't feel the need Mm -hmm. to upgrade yet. Mm -hmm. So next, we have our news section, and we have some exciting news. This time, uh, Apple just came out with their third quarter earnings report, and David has been reading about it. I've got the update for y'all. Well, and, you know, we're a little bit late to this because of the timing of the podcast. So you guys have probably already heard Apple has become the first company in the world to hit a valuation of a trillion dollars, which is crazy. And the first thing I thought of when I heard that was uh, that Mark Twain quote. I don't know if you guys ever heard this. Rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I feel like the whole time I've been working here, it's always... Apple, have they lost yeah, it? Yeah, has Apple lost yeah, its edge? Is it going downhill? Is and, and it's like I've been working here since two thousand eight, and it's those articles started coming out before that, uh-huh. and so it's crazy that so many commentators have been talking about it, and Apple has just continued to succeed. So a little bit of details on this quarter. Obviously, they had a very good quarter, which is what drove it up. Their earnings per share is up forty percent year over year. Revenue is up seventeen percent. What's interesting about it is that the Apple sales year over year are about flat. They're actually very slightly down. Yes, thank you. (laughs) iPhone sales were about flat. And so basically what happened, which has kind of been a bigger trend for Apple, and the reason why people have why experts have been predicting their decline is that iPhone sales have been growing at a decreasing rate. Mm. Uh, And so the but what happened was the average sales price, ASP, uh, was up a lot. In other words, the number of phones sold was about the same, but the amount people were, uh, the amount uh, that people were spending on the phone went up, which of course is related to the iPhone 10. And so it's kind of a success story for the iPhone 10 is part of the story. The other part of the story is Apple's other revenue streams were up quite a bit. So mm-hmm. services were up 28%. That's a good uh, wearables was up 68%. So services includes, and this makes sense that it's up so much because uh, 
services include Apple Music, which has been growing a lot, the i the App Store, all of those types of things, like iCloud, iCloud storage. storage, all of that. Wearables is of course the Apple Watch, but also the AirPod. The AirPods, they're the having AirPods. trouble keeping those in stock. Yeah, so those have been selling really well. And then the other category, which includes the HomePod, is up 37%. Huh. So this is an, it, one of the interesting things about following Apple now and following, especially since Tim Cook took over, is they're doing really well financially despite the fact that they have not had another revolutionary product in the same way that the iPhone and the iPad were revolutionary. And so it'll be interesting to see I mean, to me, this is a sign that the Tim Cook strategy diversifying their lineup has really been successful. Uh, I think it's also a sign for the record that we are not seeing uh, the $1,000 phone going away anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and that all of the other, the other types of products that they're selling, like the HomePod, the Apple Watch, which I think a lot of people talk about as being almost like a flop because they're not as successful as the Apple, have all added up to still creating a lot of revenue for Apple. I know it is interesting. It does challenge the narrative sort of for a lot of... I mean, the Apple Watch, I know, I don't think of as being a huge success in certain ways because a lot of people don't like it or think it looks, you know, dorky or whatever, but yeah. it's still, like, extremely successful. Yeah, well, and I think it's yeah. like you're measuring everything against the iPhone, which is still makes up, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but something like 70% of Apple's revenue. And so mm. these are not successful in the same way the iPhone's successful, but they all stack up to make up for the lack of growth that the iPhone has had in recent quarters. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, services have been up for a while for Apple, mm -hmm. it seems like. But it's interesting to see it continue to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, so that's our update in the news section. Uh, next episode, make sure to tune in because we're going to be talking about everything you should expect from the announcement. That's going to be our last episode before Apple's big September iPhone reveal. So we'll be getting, we'll have a lot more news in that section. We'll go over all of the latest rumors and then also go over what we're hoping to see at the announcement. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we have a second sponsor for this episode, Matthias. So I will take it away. Uh, Matthias makes keyboards and they only make keyboards and they make great keyboards. So I literally, if you're watching this, I'm gonna hold up. I took this from my desk. <laughs> uh, I use their Bluetooth keyboard. I love it and I'll tell you a few reasons why. First of all, it's more affordable than Apple's Bluetooth keyboard. Uh, it has this numeric keypad here, which Apple, I think, recently added, but Matthias has had for years. Uh, it has backlighting, uh, which now they're, what, they, what Matthias has done that I think is really creative is they have two separate batteries. So the battery for this keyboard lasts up to a year. But if you use backlighting, backlighting drains the battery. So what they've done is they have a separate battery where you can, if, if the backlighting stop runs out of battery, you can still use your keyboard, just not have backlighting. So they have a ton of little really well-designed features this way. Um, and they also synced up to four devices, whereas Apple's keyboard does not do that. And so you can sync, it's great because you can sync uh, if you travel with it, for example, you could sync with your laptop, your iPad, your iPhone, and so and you they have a convenient little button to switch back and forth. So really great, affordable keyboards, high quality. 
I actually, it was funny because my dad recently asked me for a keyboard recommendation and I told him Matthias and he ignored my advice for some reason. <laughs> it's not like I'm an expert in this. Uh, and he went on Amazon and bought a keyboard and it was just this plastic junky thing that wouldn't sync to his computer very well. And so, you know, on one hand, we always talk about it being more affordable than Apple, but on the other hand, it's just much higher quality than most of the other third-party keyboards out there. And I think that really makes a difference. It's a nice, it's made of metal, it's not plastic, it really works well. So mm -hmm. make sure you check it out. Uh, we will link to it in the show notes at iphonelife.com slash podcast. Sounds good. Um, we want to go over complaints and learning this week. We have kind of a fun one. Sarah and I have been doing tests in the office. Um, <laughs> about the typing awareness indicator. So if you don't know what this is, this is when you're text messaging and those three little bubbles show up that indicates that the other person is working on their message for you. And so this week I was thinking about this a little bit. Um, in general, if you're having either an argument with someone or you're just getting to know someone, you don't really want them to know that you're agonizing over what you're writing them <laughs> and spending a lot of time thinking about it. So it's a, And it's a feature you can't turn off. So um, we wanted to learn how this indicator actually works, if it like when it's showing up for other people and when it's not. So Sarah and I did some tests, and we have our findings. Ooh, we I'm have so our learning. To find out. Yeah. So our complaint is that you can't turn it off, and our learning is this. So one thing that was surprising, basically, if you start a new conversation the typing awareness indicator is not going to show up for the other person mm. just at the like at the initiation of the conversation. Um, so that's one thing that's good to know. So you can spend as long as you want drafting that and they're not going to know. Now let me ask you this. If you already have a text message thread going, can you still go start a new conversation with them and hide that you're typing? Yes. Like we oh. went to the existing thread. Sarah yeah. and I, we opened up an existing, an ongoing text okay. thread that we yeah. had. Yeah. And it didn't show up. But cool. so if I start typing though, and then I stop and don't and and, and don't um, delete what I wrote and leave the app, it's still gonna keep going for her for like minutes, several wow. minutes, yeah. So and even when I quit, like I first I just swiped up to close the app um, or like to get rid of it, but even when I actually completely quit the app, it was still showing up for her. Yep. So if you want it to stop, you have to. If you're writing a message, you have to delete the message you can't just like leave it hanging out and that also applies for when you're on your computer which is interesting mm. like sarah started a message to me left it there on her desktop and i was getting the little indicator for a few minutes i always wonder that because sometimes i don't know about you guys but i'll accidentally like just i'll finish a text message conversation with somebody and i'll accidentally hit a space or something and then like Next time I go to text them, I'll go back and look, and it'll just have like one or two things in there. I'm like, has it shown that I've been typing to them for like weeks? Okay, well, not weeks, but for like five minutes. Okay. <laughs> Which is still not great. No. Like, I don't understand, but it, it was good to know that deleting the message made it go away. And mm -hmm. it was pretty respond, like, it was like within a few seconds, the indicator would go away, but. I hate this feature so much. Right Thanks. There. <laughs> we really, we really dug deep. Cracked the case wide open. <laughs> it's the worst the way it shows you because I definitely, I like to proofread my messages and like, ed I mean, I just edit it and then I mm -hmm. send it. And so there's a lot of probably like, it takes a long time. Like maybe I'm like deleting and starting over. And like Donna said, like if you just met someone or it's someone you're having like an intense conversation with. Which you shouldn't do over text yeah, message. Yeah, but unfortunately, but, let's be real, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, then they know, 
Um, and so some people recommend, you know, drafting it in notes and then pasting That's it in. That's what I do. That's so ridiculous. I just want to turn it off, just like I can turn off read receipts. Yeah, but can I tell you? I do you... this, for, especially if I'm in an argument with someone, I'll draft it in notes. Yeah. Or if it's like not even an argument, but something that feels consequential. Yeah. Can I tell you the other really important to dr- reason to draft it in notes? Hmm. You can accidentally hit send before you're ready. And yeah. you're like, because I agree, I'll like, if it's a like, I, I, I agree with A, delicate. I try really hard not to have important te- conversations or text, but B, if I do, I'll like obsess over the wording. And it's so funny because I'll end up with like one sentence that says, okay, I hope you're doing well or something. And it's like, it's going to be an hour to write it. Uh, but <laughs> but you don't want to send that mid, because I've had it happen to me so many times where I'll send it mid like editing and it wasn't ready yet. Mm, and yeah. so doing it in notes, I think is really the way to do it if you if it's an important conversation. Yeah, it was interesting. I like read a couple articles um, when I'm looking into this and I got, like I was kind of curious. I'm like, why do we even have this? Like, yeah. Why is this a feature? And I guess BlackBerry in, t- in 2005, they were the ones who started really? doing the, uh, this Business Insider article says, the so-and-so is typing indicator. <laughs> um, and it's apparently the reason is to make it feel a little bit more like a back and forth conversation that because there is processing time in real life with responses. I don't know. I didn't find it to be a good reason. I will say I personally, most of the time, like it. Because if you're texting somebody and you're like, hey, will you come pick me up? You don't know if they saw it. But if you see the dot, 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 you know they're like preparing the response. So in times when it's not a charged conversation, knowing that somebody is in, in the middle of texting you back is important. And even in a charged conversation, if you text somebody a whole long thing, and you're sitting there and you're waiting, like knowing that they like are preparing the response to me is like, I find that comforting actually. Yeah. Except for if you get the three dots and then nothing. Yeah, that's <laughs> the worst, it's true. <laughs> yeah, so, but um, I do also like it if you are, you wrote a bunch of things and you see they're typing, you could be like, okay, wait, I'm gonna wait and see what they say yeah. before. So there's some practical yeah. purpose, I guess. I think the idea is to make it mimic more of like a real time conversation or a real life conversation. Gotcha. But yeah, so that I think our biggest discovery would just be don't start a text message and then leave the app because the other person's going to get that indicator for a long time. Probably the biggest <laughs> finding. Okay, what about you guys? Do you have any complaints in learning? I have a complaint. So I have started keeping my apps in alphabetical order. It just makes it really easy to always be able to find apps. I never wonder what home screen they're on. And honestly, one of the most common insider questions I get is I can't find my app. Uh-huh. Um, but it happened to me before this episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but I, when you add a new app, it doesn't get put in alphabetically. Oh, so you have to resort it every time you add well, a Well, you app. can like move it. But yeah. But yeah, that's stupid. I basically just, you know, maybe once a month re-alphabetize. But come on, Apple. That is really annoying. Yeah, that's lame. Auto do it, yeah. I have a complaint as well. And this has been something that's been a complaint for me for a long time. I just have so many complaints. It takes me a while to get to them in the podcast. Uh, I don't know if you guys have this experience or it's just me, but whenever I open up Apple Maps, and I think to be fair, it does on Google Maps too, so I think it's a problem with the compass. When I start navigating, it'll like literally start the spinning in a circle for me. It'll be like, please navigate to the route. And then like the route will be like spinning in a circle and I'm trying to figure like, out where do I go? Yeah. And it takes me so long. Like once I get on the route, it, it 
is fine. I think what it is is that I might have like Apple's trying to calibrate the angle of my phone and therefore which way I'm really facing.、Mm-hmm. But it just drives me crazy, and it's like a lot of times the most complicated part of driving is like. A getting to your route, but B like getting onto the highway or like navigating how to like take a left onto a road where you have to go do a U turn or something. And it's like having Apple not be able to tell me how to do that. It just drives me crazy. And I've had so many times where I've started out going the wrong way because of this, and then had to like turn around and do a U turn or like pull into a gas station. And it just it's so silly. And it seems like they could fix it. I'm on the same page. Does this、you. happen this to you guys? To okay, good.、It's、I like、me. with walking directions. It's better because they have the little arrow showing you like which way you're pointing at, like in relation to your route. I honestly have it happen to me in walking directions too. It'll just start spinning. And、oh like, really? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't happened to me. Really? No. Wow. I wonder. Is it、sometime. because you have a better sense of like sometimes it'll be like start going west or whatever, and I'll be like. West? Which way is west? I do have a really good sense of direction. Yeah, so that, that, might be, that might be part of it. David and I don't. Yeah, I, I, used to, I have the worst sense of direction. Like my complaint this week is that I have no sense of direction. <laughs> Although one time I was with a friend in a town I was only slightly familiar with, and I was like, "No problem, I can get us back to the highway. Like, just go this、mm-hmm. way." And I totally got us lost, but I was like bragging about like I have such a good sense of direction. Like, don't even worry. And I, then I was like, never mind. I'll pull out Apple Maps. I do feel like it is a little bit of a sense of direction problem because a lot of times, if you had a better sense of direction, it would be intuitive how to get on the highway or how to get to the route. But for me, it's just not, it's not. intuitive like, at all. I need handholding from the very, very, very、yeah. beginning. Okay. <laughs> like, tell me how to get to my car. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't actually look at.、Um, I mean, I guess I start from my house most of the time. It's a little more problematic if I'm like in, say, like a big parking lot, and it's like go to the service road, and you're like. Yeah, but、um, basically, I never look at the map. I just use audio cues, and I'm like, you well, know,、no、I feel really confident. So I'm like, I'll just drive in this direction to the nearest street I can see, and then Apple Maps will be like, you're going the wrong way, turn right, or you know, good job, go this way now. See, I think part of my complaint is the fact that the audio cues start too late because they go navigate to the route, but sometimes finding where the route is. Is it's not intuitive for me anyway. That's <laughs> so unhelpful. Like proceed to the route. Yeah, it's like I know. It's like proceed like, to the, where you're going. You know. know. Like, uh, okay, apps and gear. I think we're through with our complaints and learning. Yeah,、right? I think yeah. so.、Um, <laughs> who wants to go first? <laughs> Looks like we had gear this week. Yes, we do.、Yeah. Um, I'll go first. Go ahead. I am using this new case,、um, which now has a little piece of something on、so、it. So shiny! I really like this color.、Um, yeah, it comes、nice、in lots、sheen. of different colors, but it's yeah, it's got sort of this metallic sheen. This is an Incipio case. It's called the Dual Pro, right? Yes, and I really like it because it's got a couple of layers,、um, but they're integrated. Some of the cases I use have like. A couple of pieces, and you sort of have to assemble it around your phone.、Um, I still use them because they're cute, but I really like the way this one is. Really easy to get on and off.、Um, it's drop tested up to ten feet. It's really slim, and it's really not very expensive either for a protective iPhone case. It's thirty dollars. Yeah, that's not、um, bad. So I really like it. It's the Incipio Dual Pro. Are all of the colors that kind of sh- like has a shine to it?、Or? A lot of them do. I didn't explore all the colors, but the ones I saw were like that. I like it. It looks kind of like a beetle coating. Like 
you know, like those like green beetles that yeah. have kind of like a metallic, a it's iridescent. Like that, that type of iridescence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Cool. Uh, even my plane cases have to be a little bit fancy. I think. <laughs> yeah. We like glam around here. Some of us do. Um, I, this week, well, I first have to point out this case I have. This isn't the one I'm talking about, but I also have kind of a glam case. This is from Sonics. And I have it, a new case too. Go really? Ahead. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It also has like the raised bevels so that if you drop your phone on its face, yeah. that's great. And the a lot of times cases either have like an opening for the button buttons or they have button covers. And the opening can be annoying because then you have to kind of like stick your finger further into it in order to get to the button. Um, but mm-hmm. button covers can be really terrible and make it hard. But these ones are very like it, it's as easy to use the volume buttons and the sleep wake as it was without a case. Nice. So I like that. Um, the other gear I want to talk about is the Fitbit, which I'm wearing. I've got the Fitbit Alta. Um, and I recently, my Apple Watch broke. That's why I'm not wearing it. But um, it's been nice to try something different. And I like, as Sarah pointed out earlier in this episode, the Apple Watch doesn't put your steps like front and center. And I've been just trying to be more active throughout the day. And I think having that 10,000 step goal is an easy way to do that. And so I like this has just made it a really easy way to um, keep it, an eye on my on my step count. And also um, it's smaller, which I like as well. And it's a nice way to see the time and date. Um, I think it's pretty simple. Definitely not as like, robust as the Apple Watch. But if you're just looking to... Uh, track your steps I think it's great Did I you... have thoughts about that okay go for it <laughs> because I actually um got this that this was to Sarah's test it. originally mm. yeah and um and uh I you know I think it's the it looks really nice it's it's really small um but for me I found it so painful on my wrist somehow something oh. about the way it's shaped I couldn't even wear it 24 oh, wow. hours wow it does have like a kind of curved bottom right. somehow, for me it's been comfortable yeah I think it really depends on you know, the configuration of your wrists, maybe. Yeah, I yeah. But I recommend if you know someone who has one to try it first to see how mm. it feels for you. Yeah. I also hate the way Fitbit is is kind of a walled garden. Like their app yeah. doesn't integrate with anything else. Oh, wow. And so it I, doesn't integrate I, with a health app. You have to do some yeah, work you have to get like a third app. party app. Yeah. And it just makes it harder to share activity with people who aren't Fitbit users. And I'm all about sharing activity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so. Yeah, so there are some things, but it is really, in terms of just how well it works, I feel like it's one of the best not Apple uh, fitness trackers there are. Yeah. As long as it's comfortable on you. Yeah. Uh, did you say how much it cost? Oh, I didn't, and I don't know off the top of my head. I'll have to, we'll have to put that on iphonelife.com slash podcast. Okay. Or, well, I'll just look it up right now. Will you start talking okay. about Tile? Well, yeah. So I'll start talking about Tile. Um, <laughs> so bossy. Yeah. <laughs> so my uh, gear I'm going to talk about is Tile. And Sarah actually lent me Tile. So all of our gear is now you derived from Sarah. Thanks, because I have kept it. Um, <laughs> so Tile, if you haven't heard of it, it's a little tiny uh, square. They call it Tile. Uh, that you can either attach to a device or keep in your pocket or do anything like that. And it connects to your phone via Bluetooth. And the idea is that it helps you keep track of that item. So if you, for example, put it on in your wallet, then if you can't find your wallet, you can make your phone make the tile start beeping and then you can find your wallet. Or vice versa, if you have your wallet but can't find your phone, you can push the button on the tile and it makes your phone start beeping. 
uh, I used it for a kind of interesting use case, which was I recently went on a trip uh, with my girlfriend and her son, and we were in a lot of locations where it would be easy to lose a five-year-old. <laughs> and so we actually gave him the tile and he kept it in his pocket. And then the idea was if we lost him, we can make it beep. Uh, it had mixed results, let's put it that way. The problem is Bluetooth only works up to uh, 50 meters, I believe. Hmm. And so if you really lose them, it's not very helpful. Uh, you know, what it does is it tells you the last spot where it disconnected, which is very useful for keys. If like your keys fall on the ground and you're walking away, even after 50 meters, you can look on a map and say, oh, well, this is where my, it last knew it, it, it yeah. was. I'm just laughing at the idea of a five-year-old staying put. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. exactly. Um, so we, uh, the other thing is, there was the other side of the function, which in theory was good, which is he could push the button to find us if he lost us. In practice, 99% of the usage of the tile was him standing right next to me, pushing the button and making my phone beep, <laughs> which he found hilarious and I, you know, less hilarious for me. Um, That's great. I did, in fact, uh, lose them a couple times. Now, to be fair, I lost my girlfriend was with my son. With, or her you should son. tell them where you were. Okay, I was in St. Louis in the City Museum. If you've ever been to St. Louis, the City Museum is like, it's basically this elaborate museum for adults and children, but they have all these like crawl spaces where you can crawl around, and it's really easy to lose. It's a like kid. a multi-story um, indoor jungle gym. Yeah, part of it's but outside. like the most elaborate jungle gym you've ever seen. They have like an, a full-size school bus on the roof, 10 stories up, and they have like a fighter plane. They have all this stuff. A but slide that's multiple stories long, and so a kid can just jump on a slide and be gone before and, you and know it. It's not intuitive where the slide would like come out. It might be like 10 stories down, and you're like running down trying to find where it comes out. Uh, so I lost them, tried to make a beep. Uh, I lost them twice there, actually. Uh, one time it worked really well and I, I found him. The other time it didn't work at all. So what I would say is if you, it's not a perfect solution, but it is useful. If you happen to have tile anyway, it's worth doing. Uh, but I don't know that I would recommend buying tiles to keep track of children. <laughs> I think there's more effective ways of keeping track of children. Uh, but overall, the tile functioned very well for what it was supposed to do. So yeah. and I've used the tile for keys and it's worked well. Works for that. better yeah. for keys. Good it's to know. Well for that. <laughs> I also can't remember the price point. I think it's like, do you know, Sarah? It's $25, $25 for one, and you can get a two-pack for 40 Okay. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Uh, the tw I know it's 25 for one. Okay. But. Okay, so this wraps up episode 90 of the iPhone Life podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, and definitely tune in in a couple of weeks. We'll be having our last episode before our iPhone, before Apple's big fall announcement, and we'll go over everything that you should expect and what we are hoping to see there. So we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.